Romans 10, 1 to 13. And maybe somebody, if you guys can help me, um, what are we going to be talking about today? Amen. The power of the name of Jesus. We started last week. And last week, this week, and next week, three weeks, we're talking about salvation in the name of Jesus. How there is salvation in the name of Jesus. Anybody remembers the scripture that we talked about last week, if you were here? Sister Nancy, I'm, I'm waiting. Matthew 1, correct, 21 or something like that. And what was the verse? Anybody remembers? You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will, or he shall save his people from their sins. Amen? We talked about that last week. Today, we're still going to be talking about how there's salvation in the name of Jesus. Our verse really is Romans 10, 13. If you have your notes, that's the very last line in the first paragraph, which is verse 13. For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord, and that's Jesus, we'll talk about that in a second, will be saved. And I have to say, like, approaching this passage this week when I started to study it, I had a lot of curiosity about this passage, particularly because I'm very interested what the Bible says about salvation and how people can be saved. The reason I personally am interested in that is because when I go out and share with people, I want to know what exactly I need to be telling them, what the Bible wants me to share, what is the message. And that verse in Romans 10, um, verse, let's say, verse 10, for example, Romans 10, 10, for it says, for with the heart the person believes, well, actually, let's go to verse 9, um, 7, 9. And it says in verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I always wondered what that verse means, particularly because Paul in that verse never talks about repenting, never talks about, like, changing your life. He's saying if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that he's raised again from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, everybody who's a Christian-related person who believes the Bible is God's word, Hold these two to be facts, right? You can be drinking and doing all sorts of sins and all sorts of, you don't even walk with God. But deep down in your heart, you know that Jesus is Lord, correct? You have no problem saying that. And you know he died on the cross, he rose again. So I feel like you can know these two things and without any change in your heart. And according to Paul here, you'll be saved. So I'm just curious, coming to that text here, what in the world is Paul talking about? And I tell you guys, you're up for a treat. This is such an amazing passage. So to understand what Paul was saying here in, in, in the whole passage, particularly in verse 13, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'll need to go back a little bit, and we're going to try to see the context in which Paul was quoting that verse so we can understand how can there be salvation in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So how, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to read the passage, the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down a little bit. And by the time we get to verse 13, you have a pretty solid idea of what Paul was trying to say here. Amen? So that's Romans 10, 1 to 13. Here is what Paul is saying. <clears throat> Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, that's the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, is for salvation. For I testify about them that they have zeal for God but not according to the knowledge, for, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. 
verse 4. <clears throat> for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Verse 5. <clears throat> for, Moses, for Moses writes that the man who practices righteousness, which is based on law, shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, <clears throat> who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend to the abyss, uh, that is to bring Christ from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever or whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches to all, or for all, who call in his name. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? <clears throat> so... Let's try to go back now and we break that passage piece by piece. And the reason is because the verse 13, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, from Paul's perspective here, you're going to see that it's pretty anchored, very much so, in the whole passage. It's kind of like the conclusion of the whole passage. That's why we need to understand the context and what he's trying to tell us. So he started chapter 10 talking about Israel, right? The nation of Israel. And just to let you know, the whole book of Romans, a big bulk of it, Paul is discussing the, 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 the concept of justification, all right? How can a sinful man be right with God? That's the main point of the whole book, the, the main point of most of his theological teaching. And he's making a contrast between the Jews who had the law of God, but they still failed to obtain the righteousness of God, and then the Greek or the Gentiles who never knew the law of God, and they're just sinful by nature. And he, then he's saying, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're a Jew, or it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you know the law, or if you don't know the law. Salvation is not by works. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ that the righteousness of God will be imputed to you, all right? So that is the whole point of the book. Now, in chapter 10 here, he's talking about Israel again. He's saying, brethren, my heart desire and my prayer to God for them. That's Israel for salvation. Why? Because they're jealous, he says in verse 2. But look at that. But not in accordance to knowledge. He's saying they're, they're jealous, but they're not according to the right information. They don't have the right knowledge. Verse 3. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject to themselves to the righteousness of God. So he's saying in verse 3 is this. They're trying to reach out to God in their own way, which is what? The law, right? That's what they have. They have the law. So they're trying to reach out to God through the law. They're trying to be made right with God through the law. Not knowing, he's saying, not knowing that you cannot be made right in front of God through deeds and through the law, but only through that imputed righteousness that God will give people, sinners, through Christ. So he's saying, not knowing, how can you be made right with God? They're trying to be made right with God through the law, through their own way. And then verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law. So Paul is saying the law that the Jewish people have, if they actually study it, if they actually know what it actually says, they know that the end goal of the law is that 
pointing sinners, everyone, to Christ as the only mean by which a man can be justified. You follow me so far? So he's saying the end of the law is, is righteousness to everyone who believes through Jesus Christ. Now, in order to expo explain that point and expand on it to tell us what exactly means that Christ is the end of the law uh, for righteousness to everyone who, who believes, he wrote that passage from verse 5 to verse 13. So verse 5 to 13 kind of like an explanation of what does it mean that the law is pointing to Christ as the only way of justification. So he started with verse 5 and he said, For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. Now, that's a quote from Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5. And here is what it says in the Old Testament. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, this is the key word, does them, you do them, you shall live by them, I am the Lord. The point that Paul is trying to tell us here in verse 5 is this. The law requires you to do all the commandments of the law all the time if you want to be, if you want to live by them, which in a way implied how impossible that is. So in verse 5, Paul kind of telling us it's really impossible to reach God through the law because you need to keep all the commandments all the time and nobody is ever able to do that. So that's the righteousness. His, do you see how he's trying to tell us that Christ is the goal of the law? So the first point is he's saying you can be saved really by that law because it's impossible. But number two, he's telling us how the law is pointing to Christ. And then he says in verse 6, For the righteousness based on the faith, not based on the works. You guys follow me so far? You see the difference? It's contrasted, contrasting the righteousness that is based on the law that the Jews is trying to use to reach out to God, which is impossible, versus the righteousness that God bestowed on us by faith in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 6 he says, But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follow. Do not say in your heart, he actually quoting two different scriptures here from the Old Testament. Do not say in your heart, that's one passage, and then he starts in a different passage, who will ascend to heaven, that's a different passage in the Old Testament. So when he says, do not say in your heart, that's actually a quote from Deuteronomy 9, 4 to 5, and here is what Paul said, or the Old Testament says, do not say in your heart when the Lord your God has driven them out from before you, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me to possess the land. But it, is, uh, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord has dispossessing them before you. It is not for your own righteousness or for your uprightness of heart that you are going to possess the land. So the point of that passage here is this. You can't, God is just being good to you. It is not because you have achieved righteousness with God through your good deeds that you are now blessed by God or have salvation. So that is the first quote that Paul is quoting here, and that's from Deuteronomy 9, that tells us, even in the Old Testament, God is saying you cannot be made right through your good deeds before God. Amen? And then he starts saying, who will ascend to heaven? From that point forward, Till the end of verse 8, Paul is quoting a different passage in the Old Testament. You guys follow me so far? We're trying to understand what, what he's saying here. He's explaining how Jesus is the end of the law. Now, the second quote he's quoting from Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 14. Here is what the Bible says there. For this commandment which I command you today, it is not too difficult for you. Now, what is that commandment? 
It's just the law. It's the commandments, of, the commandments of God, all of them. So God is saying here, Deuteronomy 30, these commandments I'm giving you, it's not really too difficult for you to obey. Nor it is out of reach, far off for you. Verse 12, it is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us, to get it for us and make us hear it, that you may observe it. Nor it is beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it, that, that we may observe it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth, it is in your heart, that you may observe it. Okay? You follow me now? So verse 6 and 8 in Romans 10 is a direct, almost a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now I, I need your brains with me. When Paul quoted these verses, he changed two things. Can you help me out here? What did he change? He, he, obviously, he did it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So let's read the verses 6 to 8, and then we'll read the quote again, and let's try to find out the differences, how Paul quoted differently. So um, Deuteronomy, uh, Romans 10, 6, Who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, abyss to bring Christ up from the dead, but what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That's Paul's quote, okay? Go back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30. For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor it is out of reach. For it is not in heaven that you should say, who would go up to heaven to bring it down to us, nor it is uh, beyond the sea that you would say, who would cross the sea to bring it to us, but the word is very near to you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. Help me out. What is Paul changing here? Two things. Number one, he's, in his quote, he's saying, who will go down to the abyss, correct? The Old, the Old Testament quote doesn't say that, right? It says, who will cross the sea, right? So Paul changed it a little bit here. Why did he do that? Actually, the Greek word that he used, abyss, is pretty much literally used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament multiple times. And 30 times literally indicate the depth of the sea. And the Old Testament quote, he will cross the sea for us. So it's very similar. He just might be like, I don't think it's a big deal, but it's the same point, okay? The point of the Old Testament is, who will, people are, God is saying, don't wonder, where is my word? Where is my commandment? Because it's too close to you. Don't even have to cross the sea for it, okay? And Paul quoted it as, we don't have to go to the very depth of the sea for it because it's very close to us, okay? So different wording, same point, okay? Not a big deal, all right? But now, if you go back to Romans 10, 6 to 8, you're going to see the phrase, that is, three times, okay? That is not in the Old Testament. So every time Paul tells us that is, he's explaining to us what he thinks that Old Testament scripture says. You follow me so far? So let's go back to Romans and see the three times that Paul says that is, while he's quoting that verse from Deuteronomy. Okay, so let's start. Who will ascend into heaven, okay, that is what that means, to bring Christ down, right? And then it says, oh, who will descend into the abyss, and then he said, that is to bring Christ up from the dead, right? And then he said, but what does it say? It's the word is near you, it's in your mouth, it is in your heart. And then he says, that is the word of the message of the gospel that we preach, okay? So what is going on here? Well, let's look again. The Deuteronomy verse, Deuteronomy 30, God started by saying, for this commandment which I command to you, the point is it is too close to you, right? 
So that scripture in the Old Testament talks about the law, right? You follow me so far? The Old Testament scripture talks about the law, the commandment of God, and God is saying, I am so gracious, that's the point of the Deuteronomy scripture. I'm so gracious to you that I'm not gonna make you strive to reach my word or my law. I'm gonna make it so close to you that you don't have to wonder about going up to heaven to bring it down or go across the sea for it to bring it close to you. I'm gonna make it in your mouth and in your heart. All what you have to do is just to obey it. That is the point that God is saying in Deuteronomy 30, right? Now, when Paul quoted that scripture from the Old Testament, he applied it to Christ. And he said that this commandment or the law that God was talking about in the Old Testament is actually a reference to Jesus. It's a reference to Christ. Is that too much off? Not really. Why? Because remember verse 4, Paul think of Christ as being the end of the law. So Paul is telling us the whole law is pointing to Christ. The goal, the end goal of the law is Jesus, right? So it's not a big deal for him if he, that's what he thinks. Obviously, that's all under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If Paul, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, knows that Christ is the end of the law, it is not a far-fetched idea to apply a scripture in the Old Testament that talks about the law to Jesus himself. Amen? So he's saying... The Old Testament scripture that God say, my commandment is close to you. You don't have to go up high or you don't have to go way down for it. Paul is saying, that's actually Jesus. He's not far away from any one of us. You don't have to go down, to go all the way up to get hold of Christ because he has came down to us in incarnation. Amen? And you don't have to go all the way down to the depth of the hell to try to meet Christ because he has already been risen from the dead. Amen? And the word of the message of the gospel, just like the commandment of God in the Old Testament, is now far away from each one of us. It is actually so close, just like the commandment of the Old Testament. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message of the gospel that we preach. Amen? Amen. We're following Paul so far? Okay, let's move forward to see what he's saying. And then he says in verse 9, verse 9, all right, let me find it. That is, now he's still building up on that quote from the Old Testament. That is, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Let's pause here for a second. The, the order here is a little bit off, right? Look at this. He says in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth first and then believe in your heart, you shall be saved, right? But this is a little bit backward. Do you guys agree with me? It should be you believe in your heart first and then you confess with your mouth, right? But Paul had it backward. Why did he do that? Because he's probably following the exact same quote from the Old Testament. Remember God said in the Old Testament the word is in your mouth and it is in your heart, right? So the Old Testament quote starts with the mouth and then goes to the heart after that, right? So Paul here pretty much following the exact same pattern that God used in the Old Testament. That's why he said, if you confess first with your mouth and then believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth confesses resulting in salvation. Now, verse 9 and 10 is pretty like similar to each other. Amen? There, it's not like he's just explaining more what does that mean, all right? And we need to understand something very, very important that will help us understand what this verse actually says. When Paul says that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
And when he says you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he's not really talking about two different ideas here or two different theologies. He's pretty much talking about the same thing. He's just formulating the exact same thing, expressing the exact same thing differently. Amen? So for Paul to believe in your heart that Jesus has been risen from the dead is the exact same thing to him as to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's talking about the exact same thing. He's just explaining it more and more and more. You guys follow me so far? So what does that mean? We know that Jesus, when he was risen, was raised from the dead by God the Father. In a way, God was putting his seal of irrevocable approval on the cross of Christ and on his blood that this is the only mean by which a sinner can approach God. You guys follow me so far? And that's precisely what Paul is saying we need to know down deep down in our heart. We need to believe, we need to know for sure that our attempts to reach out to God through our own righteousness or to follow through the law is absolutely futile. It will never work. We cannot be made right with God through our good works. Amen? But just like, listen to me, just like God approved the cross and the blood as the only way by which a sinner can be made right with him, thus raise Christ from the dead, so we should do the same thing. We should forsake our attempts to try to please God through our good works and come to Jesus and say, this cross and this blood is the only way by which man can be saved. Amen? That is for Paul what it means to believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. It's to say, God, I, I quit. It's the cross and it's the cross only. Amen? And remember for Paul, that is the exact same thing to say Jesus is Lord. It's the exact same thing for him. Because when you repent and you quit trying to rely on your good works to try to reach out to God, it's the exact same thing like in your heart you say, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to... Quit relying on my good works. I'm going to quit living the life of sin that I'm living. And from now on, I'm going to believe in the risen Christ. And he, and he only will be my Lord. Amen? That means from this day forward, my eyes are not going to be mine to look at whatever I want. My eyes will be Jesus. I am not Lord of my eyes. Jesus is Lord of my eyes. Amen? My heart is not mine anymore to well or desire anything I want. From today forward, Jesus will be Lord in my heart. Amen? Jesus is Lord. For Paul, that's the exact same thing to believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Amen? So Paul is not taking away repentance and that you need to be changed. That's all there. He just expresses it differently. Amen? You guys follow me? Good so far? Okay. Now the word confess, we talked about that in the past. If you remember, um, can't remember... I think we're talking about the blood of Jesus when we said uh, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. That's when we refer to it. The Greek word for confess is the word homo legao. So it's actually two words in it. Homo means same, right? And legao means say, from which we get the word logos, which is the word Jesus. Amen? So the Greek word is homo legao. And we talked about that in the past, that the word confess means say the same. It's that when you say with your mouth, is the exact same thing that is in your heart. Amen? So when Paul says you confess that Jesus is Lord, he's not just talking about words, meaningless words that you just utter from your mouth. Amen? He's talking about Jesus being Lord in your heart. You just show it to the world by the confession of your mouth. Amen? Amen. You guys follow me so far? So if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, 
and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, let's move forward. This is all the introduction, all right? So we're going to start in a little bit. All right. Um, um, now let's move forward to verse 11. Let's go back and let's read verse 11. For the scripture. Now, when Paul says for, that means he's still building on the same idea. He's not changing subjects. He's still talking about the exact same thing. He's saying, if you, uh, the person believes resulting in righteousness, that's verse 10, and the heart confesses resulting in just salvation, verse 10, for the scripture. He's explaining that. He's backing it up now. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Amen? Now, that's a quote from Isaiah 28, 16. This is what the scripture says. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a testing stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. And then he says, He who believes in it will not be disturbed or will not be ashamed. Amen? So that's a quote. Paul quoted that verse right here from Isaiah 28. And backing up his teaching, his theology, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So he's saying God promised this in the Old Testament. So again, in Paul's mind, in his idea, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, to believe in your heart, okay, that God has raised him from the dead, is the exact same thing, like not be ashamed, which Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 28. Paul is still talking about the exact same thing over and over again. He's not changing the subject. He's just not throwing random scripture from the Old Testament that is not related. Amen? You guys follow me so far? So for Paul, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart is the exact same thing like not be ashamed when you come to Jesus. Amen? Because he will not let you down. Amen? Verse 12, 4. Again, he's still building on the same idea. He's not changing. 4. There is no distinction between Jews and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches to all who call upon his name. Okay? And then 4. Again, he's still backing up the same idea. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, verse 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, is a quote also from the Old Testament. And that's from Jewel 2, 30 to 32. Here is what Jewel said. God said in the Old Testament, I will display wonders in, sky, in the sky and on the earth, on the, on the earth blood, fire and uh, columns smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever does what? Calls upon the name of the Lord will be delivered or saved. Amen. And Paul quoted that verse from Jude chapter 2 and backing up his idea that salvation is available for everybody and it's by faith only, not by the works of the law. Amen. Now, who is speaking in the book of Jewel? God, or who's, who is speaking in the book of Jewel here? Yeah, this scripture that we just, we just read. It says, um, here, here's, who's that speaker? Pop quiz for you guys. I will display wonders in the sky and on earth, uh, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who's speaking here? But he says, I, correct, he's speaking about the word of the Lord, but the first part is God himself saying, I will display that. If it's God referring to himself or Joel talking about God, the point is, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, who's the Lord here? God, right? No question about it. Anybody question that? No. 
But when Paul quoted that verse in Romans, he did not use that verse as a reference to the Father. He used it as a reference to Christ. How do you know that? Because he just said in verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. And then he started talking about that Lord. In the whole passage, the idea in Paul's mind is that one Lord is not God the Father. It is who? Jesus, right? Yet Paul had no problem quoting a scripture from the Old Testament that talks about God and say, that's actually Jesus. Amen? You guys follow me so far. Amen? And it says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I.e., what Paul is saying is this. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved, right? Because we just established that Jesus is Lord. So whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's what Paul was trying to say. Amen? All right, ready for me to start preaching? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make it brief. <laughs> Very short. I loved it. I loved it. I was just studying all of this. I took my mother-in-law to the hospital Thursday morning, and then I left the hospital at 8 p.m., and then went studying. I was just such so good. I called Katrina. I was like, man, I just wish I can call everybody and start preaching right now. <laughs> I can't wait till Sunday. Um, so anyways, <clears throat> let's talk about that verse for a little bit. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Let's talk about three points here. Number one, the availability of salvation. Number two, the reason of salvation. And number three, the simplicity of salvation. Amen? Let's say it together so I know you follow me. Number one, the availability of salvation. Number two, the reason of salvation. And number three, the simplicity of salvation. Let's start with number one, the availability of salvation. What, does, what is the first word in that verse? Whoever. How many people does that include? Everybody. And actually, that's the whole point, I think, from verse 11 to verse 13. Let's look at that. It's Paul again over and over and over saying that God's salvation is available to whoever. Look at verse 11. For the scripture says, how many? Whoever believes in him, in God, in Jesus, shall not be disappointed. Amen? Whoever, everybody. And then he says in verse 12, for there is no distinction it doesn't matter if you're a Jew who has the law or a Greek who never heard of the law why for the same Lord is Lord for how many all it doesn't matter who you are and he's abounding in riches for how many all the whole world abounding in riches to all who call on him amen and then to support that he quote that Old Testament scripture that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved so Paul is over and over and over emphasizing that God's salvation is available to whoever is not limited to some elite. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or you're a Baptist. It doesn't matter what's your background. It doesn't matter if you're sinned like you never, like sin is your water that you drink or if you strive so hard never to sin. The whole world is under God's judgment and God's salvation is available for all. Amen? And that's what Paul was saying, the exact same idea earlier in the book. Let's, let's read Romans 3, 21 to 24. Look at this. But now, apart from the law, apart from working, the righteousness of God has been manifested, revealed, witnessed by the law and the prophet. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for how many? All. For all those who believe. 
for there is no distinction. Again, it doesn't matter what's your background. It doesn't matter how hard you tried to please God in the past. It doesn't matter for there's no distinction. For all, look at this, for all have sinned and have fallen short before the glory of God. So what Paul is telling us this is, is this, because all have sinned, God has decided to be gracious to all. Because none of us could actually make it to God on our own. Amen? It's like this. I, I think about it this way. It's like God is a teacher, okay? And he administered an exam to the students in his class. And every single one of them flunked that exam, okay? The smartest kid got 60, and you need 70 to pass. Amen? Some got 10, some got 5, but the smartest kid got 60, and the whole class flunked that exam. Now, look at me. None of these kids deserve to pass the exam, right? None of these kids deserve to go to the higher grade. Why? Simple. You failed the final exam, amen? You don't deserve to pass. You don't deserve to go to the following grade, right? And the teacher, when he saw that everybody failed, the smartest failed, and the, the, the not very smart one failed also, the teacher, out of the goodness of his heart, decided to be good to all. He was not obligated to do that. He didn't need to do that. If the whole class failed and repeated the year, hey, you know what? This is just about right, right? But the teacher decided to be good to all. And that's precisely what Paul was telling us here, right in that verse. For the same Lord for all, rich to all who call upon his name. What Paul is telling us is this, because all have sinned, God decided to be rich in grace and mercy and forgiveness too. All, all what you have to do is just to call upon his name and you shall be saved. Amen? Amen. So that is the availability of salvation. Amen? Amen? But number two, the reason of salvation. Why? It says you shall call upon the name of the Lord, which we just discussed. It is the exact same thing like calling upon the name of Jesus. Amen? And that's why you and I can be saved. The reason that we can ever be made right with God, the reason we can ever be saved is the name of Jesus. Amen? The point here is this. Look at me. Listen very carefully. The point that Paul is trying to tell us here is this, or even Jewel in the Old Testament. The, the idea here is this. The name of Jesus has so much power to save. Listen, the name of Jesus has so much power to save that the most wicked of all, if he just do something as simple as calling upon his name, he shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Let's say that again. Amen? The name of Jesus has so much power to save that the wickedest of all, if he does something as simple as calling upon his name, he will be saved. Amen? And that's the point. The reason that you and I can be saved is not because of our good works. It's because of the power that is in the name of Jesus to save. Amen? Amen. We talked about that last week. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Why? Why can Jesus save? Simple. Because he came down from heaven. He went to that cross. And on that cross, he paid the penalty of your sins and my sins to a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Amen. And because Jesus paid the price for our sins and took away that block that was standing in our way to get to know God, which is the penalty of our sin, the requirement of the law, because Jesus took care of that and he rose again from the dead on the third day. And because he's alive and well, he has every power to save. Amen? Amen. 
His name is all-powerful to save. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Amen? But number three, the simplicity of salvation. According to that verse, how hard it is really to be saved. What is it that you need to do? Call, right? How, that doesn't sound to be very hard, does it? It's not like you have to run a marathon for it, really. All what you have to do is just to do what? Call upon the name of Jesus. Now, the point of the simplicity of salvation that is available is something that Paul has been building up through that text. Remember when he quoted that Old Testament verse from Deuteronomy? When God was saying, I decided to be so gracious to you that I have brought my word so close to you, I put it in your mouth and in your heart, that you don't have to go up to heaven to get it down, or go have to, or don't have to go across the sea to bring it back to you. And Paul applied that verse to Christ, right? We just talked about that. And he said that Jesus came down from heaven. That's why we don't have to go up to try to search for God. Amen? And we don't have to go all the way down to the depth of hell to try to find our salvation because Jesus has been raised from the dead, right? But now the word is so simple, it is so easy, it's in your mouth and it is in your heart. Amen? You guys follow what Paul was trying to say here? He's trying to say that salvation is very simple. The word is just in your mouth, in your heart, but it's only because Jesus came down from heaven in incarnation and died on the cross for our salvation and rose again from the dead on the third day. It's only because of that that salvation now is very simple. You guys follow that? If it wasn't for Jesus, it would have been impossible for a sinner and a holy God to ever come together. Amen? But because Jesus came and paid the price, now salvation and the right relationship with God is as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord. Amen? The simplicity of salvation. So what does that mean? What does the word call mean? Does it mean like you say Jesus a couple of times and then you'll be, you go to heaven? It doesn't. What does it actually say? I, let me tell you a story. Um, Back in 2013, I went to Africa for a mission trip, and I attended a crusade by an evangelist called Daniel Kulanda. Great guy, if you ever get to look him up. Man of God, unbelievable anointing. Anyways, um, he was preaching from that verse, but he was not preaching the same sermon, I promise. Okay, um, He's preaching from this, and he was talking about that word call, and he's from Florida, so he was saying that one time he... Uh, went fishing or whatever. I mean, I don't remember the details, but you'll get the point. Uh, he went with a friend on a boat, and then uh, the way went way in the sea, and then somehow he was swimming or fell from the boat or something, and he started drowning. And he goes down because he's drowning. And then let's say his friend's name is Robert or John. Let's say it's John. And then he comes up from the water. You know, he pops up for a couple of seconds, and then he goes down again. So every time he comes up for a second or two, guess what he's doing? He's saying, Robert. John or Robert, whatever, let's say John, John, John. And then he goes down again, right? And then he comes back up and all what he says, John, John. And this is the last, every last breath in him. He's just calling upon the name of his friend because he knows that John has a boat. If John just hear him and find him, John will come and rescue him. Amen? And that's what 
Paul is saying here, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. But it's not just saying, Jesus, Jesus, and then you shall be saved. It's not that. It is like, like that pastor, that evangelist, is that desperate cry to God. When you know that you know that you know that it's the end, and there is no way for you out, and that only Jesus can save you. And in your desperation, you cry out His holy name. That's the only when you shall be saved. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. It's only when you realize how grave your sin is and how great the wrath of God over sin is. It's only when you re realize the shame and the guilt that you have brought. It's only when you realize that the bondage of sin over your life and in your desperation. If you just do one small thing, say, Jesus, if you do that, you shall be saved. Amen? For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Now, let me close with a different story, and that's it. I uh, finished Regent back in 06, that's my seminary. And then I went back to uh, New Jersey to study for my uh, pharmacy license. And I remember that day, I was in Barnes & Noble, Route 10, North Jersey, studying. And when I study, I do the same thing like this, I just walk, you know, just talk to myself and a lot of people think I'm crazy everywhere. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so I'm just doing that, Barnes and Noble walking and trying to memorize stuff. And then I realized this girl and apparently she got lost. She doesn't see her mommy anymore. And I can see that this girl is crying, mommy. And then a couple of seconds later, her mommy is not there. And then the girl starts crying louder, mommy. And mommy is not there. And the girls start panicking, you know, you're, you're little and you're lost, you don't see your mommy, you see strange people, and the girls start panicking. And every time, as time goes by, and she starts panicking more and more, her voice gets louder and louder and louder. And she says, mommy, 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 and she starts crying loudly, mommy, 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 because she's desperate. She's lost and she needs his mo her mommy so bad, amen? amen? And that second, I felt the Holy Spirit is speaking so vividly to my heart. And here's what I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me. It's saying that just like this little girl, amen? Just like this little girl, we also have a name, amen? And when we feel like it's too much for us, we can't do it anymore, we can't handle it anymore, this situation is way above our pay grade. We're stuck, we're desperate. Just like this little girl, we also have a name that we can call upon, amen? But it's not mommy, amen? It is Jesus, amen? So if you're ever in a situation that you feel is too much, you can't do it anymore. If a sin is too hard for you, if bondage, of, if the yoke of sin is too much for you, all what you have to do is just cry out, Jesus, 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 and just like when mommy came and rescued that girl, Jesus will come and he will move heaven and earth to come and rescue you from whatever you're suffering. Amen? Amen. Because the Bible is clear and it's loud. It says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.